It is summer of the year AD 26. The people of Israel are wearied from centuries of poverty, oppression, slavery, and darkness. They long for something new, something meaningful, a free and purposeful life that matters, a life of kindness, grace, and love. In the heat of the day, hundreds of peasants flock to a small stream called the Jordan, far away from the pollution of the cities, to be baptized by an eccentric preacher with a message of a new beginning. The old must be washed away so that the new can come. The prophet John is calling the people of Israel to turn from their old ways of life and embrace a new one and to publicly commit to this new life by immersion in the water to demonstrate a cleansing of the old and embrace of the new. But baptism was something foreign and strange to the people of Israel. The Hebrews practiced ceremonial washing of hands, but to immerse the whole body in water was quite simply odd. It was such a strange practice that the preacher became known as John the Baptizer, John was often ridiculed for baptizing as much as he was ridiculed for his animal skin clothes and diet of grasshoppers and wild honey. Then, through the crowds, Jesus steps into the water to be baptized. His first public appearance as a rabbi, a teacher, a leader, the Lord. He desires to be baptized, but there is nothing for him to be cleansed from. He was known as one without fault in every way. So John the baptizer protests. He refuses over and over again to baptize Jesus. He will not do it. But Jesus insists, it must be done. So why would Jesus submit himself to a ritual reserved for the sinner? Why would the perfect one give himself to a ceremony to cleanse the least, the last, the lost. Quite simply, it was his calling. Jesus was sent by the Father God to take the place of us all, to take our failures upon himself and replace our failures with his perfection. So Jesus disappears under the water in our place as though the sins of the world were going to be placed on him, as though he was being baptized for us all. Then, Jesus rises from the water in our place, declaring to the gathered crowd that there is a new life coming to this world that God so loves. New life beyond our failures. New life beyond our affliction. New life beyond our oppression. A new life of kindness, grace, and love. Jesus rises from the water as though he would bring new life to us all. Then God the Father declares from the heavens just who this Jesus really is. This is my beloved, my son, in whom I am well pleased. It pleased the Father that the Son willingly received His mission to bear the suffering and the sin of the world upon Himself and give new life to us all. So from His humble beginnings in a manger, 
And then 30 years later, and, and you know, it's not hardly anything talked about, about what went on in Jesus' life for those 30 years. But now here he is, the real beginning of the recorded life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And the story begins with him coming to John. John is an actual relative of Jesus. They don't know if they grew up together. They might not even know each other. Don't know. But he comes to John to be baptized. And to many, from since that time, and John at that time, seemed a little confused, a little, seemed strange that Jesus was coming to be baptized. But I believe this point in his life is a very, very important one. Our knowledge of the figure of John himself, John the Baptist, is limited. Talks about him a little bit in the Bible, not a whole bunch. There's also references about him from Jewish historian like Josephus, who was writing towards the end of the first century. Josephus describes it, it says he seemed like John the Baptist. It was, it was a very important figure of the time of Jesus, that he was a renowned kind of eccentric. And it appeared that that way from Josephus, that he was kind of like this, a quality of person that had like a prophetic way to him, who was calling for change. He was calling for change in his time, and he's usually thought of being this guy who's out in the desert, right, wearing reared clothes and eating bugs. So we, we saw one video of him, and the picture is that he had this hair, huge beard. He looked like a crazy guy, right? So John, but scholars said that he seemed to be, that he was a critic of society, that John was there criticizing worldliness and that he was calling people for change in their religious life, to come back, to be baptized for their sins. L. Michael White, who's a biblical scholar from the University of Texas said, I think we have to think of John the Baptist primarily as one who was calling for a return of an intensely Jewish piety. Like calling for, an, get back into the religion, get back into the rituals and the, the systems. He goes on to say, to follow the Lord, to make oneself pure, to be right with God. That's what John's message was. Well, we're introduced to John in the book of Mark, and we're introduced to him in the way of the, during this time of him being compared to or the fulfillment of a prophecy from Isaiah. So in Mark chapter one, it says this, uh, I will send my messenger ahead of you. This is from Isaiah, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And it seems like many, many people were coming to him. They're coming for all over to hear his message and to repent and to be baptized. Look what it says in verse, in verse five, right after this, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So here's what's going on. John doing this baptism in the Jordan River. What does baptism mean? 
The word baptism means basically to dip or to immerse into. That's what it means, to submerge. It isn't always connected to water. The water means the, the word means to dip or to submerge, and then it talks about what it's submerged or dipped into. Throughout the Bible, you see the word used, like when it says you take a piece of bread and you dip it into the juice, that or the wine, that's baptism, submerging. It talks about being baptized with suffering, being baptized with fire. The word could also mean to be overwhelmed by, those kind of things. So, so that's what the word baptism means. So to, to make it less like weird, because I don't think we really use the word baptism that much nowadays, John was dipping or submerging people into the Jordan River. He was dipping them in there for the forgiveness of their sins as an act of repentance, as an act of religious practice. Now, we don't see this kind of baptism in the Old Testament. We don't see it there. It doesn't talk about this kind of baptism, but I do want to say the Old Testament is full of the talk of water, of being cleansed by water. It's all over the place. It talks about the cleansing of hands. It talks about total baths. It all talks about trying to become clean from your uncleanliness. You do something wrong, clean yourself this way. You touch someone dead, bathe yourself this way. You become unclean. This is what will make you clean. And it's all over the Bible. It talks about that all the time. You also see a big story in the Old Testament that uses water. You ever heard of Noah and the flood? Heard of that one? It's a big water story, right? Flood covers everything. Noah's saved. Look what Peter talks about in 1 Peter 3. In it, in it, talking about the flood, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism. So you see this idea that in the Noah story, is actually a story of salvation, a story much like baptism. So the use of water seemed to be common for the Jewish nation, even though the way John was doing it, you don't really see in the Old Testament, people dipping into the Jordan. It seemed to be more of a modern practice. Some scholars say that other people were baptizing also like that. It, it, different sects of Judaism that had sprung up. Some were baptizing just like John was. But, and this is a big but, Jesus came to John. Jesus came to John. And I believe that sets John apart from the others who might have been calling people to baptism. It sets John apart. It should make us consider what was John's message that Jesus went to him. What was his message? What was John wanting to proclaim? Was it just more Jewish piety like that scholar said from Texas? That's what he was doing, just trying to get people more religious? And here's where I think this story, this beginning of Jesus' life really gets interesting. You see, John's main message was not to come and be baptized in water so that your sins can be cleansed by some religious act. That's not what his message was. Matter of fact, look at Mark chapter one, verse eight. And this was his, I love when the Bible just makes it real easy for me. 
I mean, this is the kind of ones I go like, yeah, I like this, super easy. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Wow. You see, here's the point. John's real message was proclaiming a different kind of baptism to come. Not the cleansing by water, but the cleansing by the Holy Spirit of God. That's what he was proclaiming. That was his message. It wasn't about more Jewish piety. He was there to proclaim the one that was to come and the one who was going to bring that hope. The one that John knew that he was there to usher in has just shown up on the scene. And he comes to John and he says, I want to get baptized by you. And I love how John reacts in Matthew 3, 13. Check this out. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him like, whoa, ho, ho. me baptize you? Are you crazy? I mean, he's like, oh, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? I mean, I'm sure there was a few different things that are going through John's head. Number one, he probably doesn't feel worthy to baptize him. So he's like, oh man, I can't baptize you. I'm nothing. I'm just a weirdo out here dressed in weird clothes, eating weird food. I don't, I'm not worthy. But I think there might've been a second reason. I bet you he was wondering, but I know of you and you're the sinless savior of the world. You don't even need baptism. So not only am I not worthy, but you don't even need it. What's going on here? No way. But I love how Jesus responds in verse 15. Check it out. I can just see Jesus being so like, John, relax. Take a breath. Let it be so now. It's good. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented and went ahead and baptized him. What a simple but truly profound interaction between John and Jesus. What was Jesus doing being baptized? What is Jesus saying here when he says to fulfill all righteousness? And scholars don't even agree with what this means. But after reading and studying and thinking through it, there's a couple thoughts that really resonated with me about why this moment of the life of Jesus is so important is so very significant one of the main reasons is is because when you look in the old testament one of the people that washed themselves the most were the high priests high priest cleansed themselves and washed themselves and had these ceremonies and all these things they had to do, especially when they were going to take the sacrifices of the people and they were going to go into the holy place and the holy of holies. They took the cleansing before they went in there seriously, man. They're going to be coming into the house of God for the people with the sacrifice for the sins. We better be clean. Look what it says in Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 16, talking to Aaron and the high priest. He says, this is how Aaron is to enter the sanctuary area with a young bull for his sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. 
He is to tie the linen sash around and to put on the linen turban. These are the sacred garments. So this is what he's supposed to wear when he goes in with the sacrifices. So he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. So man, I have a feeling that these priests took this seriously. We're gonna go into the Holy Holies. Let's put the garments aside and let's wash. And I don't think it was just like handy wipes. I think they wash like surgeon watching, right? You ever seen surgeons, you know? You know, my son was in ICU for like a week before when he was, when he was born. And I'd go, whenever I'd go visit him, he'd be like, wash your hands for 15 minutes. And it's just like, Ugh. man, my hands were so dry and chapped and so achy after that week. I have a feeling that those priests took it seriously and they washed themselves even before putting on the clothes that they were called to wear to go in and bring the sacrifices to God. They would bathe themselves. And that high priest saw himself as standing before God and man with their sacrifices. And here's what I believe is one of the main reasons Jesus was baptized. Jesus got baptized to fulfill the law as the true high priest coming to bring people to God. He was fulfilling the law. He was doing the bathing. He was doing the high priest bathing. You see, Jesus is what the Old Testament priest represented what the Old Testament high priest and the priest system was all about was ultimately about Jesus. What all that cleansing and washing they did was all about the coming Messiah and the true cleansing and the washing that was to come. That's what all the Old Testament stuff was ultimately pointing to. All of that stuff was about this that we're seeing now in and through Christ being fulfilled through him. So he enters the water as the high priest would. The true high priest, the final high priest, preparing himself to bring the final sacrifice to the father himself. Look what Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 18. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the spirit. That's his true baptism. This was just the water. And what was gonna come is that he was gonna give himself once for all. The true baptism into death and the resurrection of life. No wonder when John saw Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 29, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And if you read on this passage, he starts telling his followers, follow him, don't follow me. Like, my message is done. Like, my baptism is over. That's the baptism you're going to want. Don't follow me anymore. I'm obsolete. Follow him. The high priest has come the Savior is here. And that kind of leads us to the second reason I think Jesus was baptized. I also think that Jesus got baptized as a sign or an example. You see, he wasn't washing away his own sins. There were none to wash away, right? He had come to wash away our sins and to bring us life. His ultimate baptism was going to be for us. 
He'd be baptized into death through the crucifixion and raised to life to ultimately show us there is life and hope in and through him. You see, Jesus just didn't go under the water. He came up out of the water. That's a key to baptism. It wouldn't be good if we just baptized people and put them under and then never brought them back up. You know, matter of fact, when you dunk them in the water, they're kind of on the process of death, right? Right then, it starts. So it's the idea of being buried. That's what Jesus was doing, being buried, the identity with his death. But when he came up out of the water, it was the identity of his resurrection, of his life, of conquering sin and death. He was raised back up. Being raised out of the water represents his overcoming death and that promised life. Look what happens after in Matthew 6 when he's raised. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the spirit of the God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. What an amazing kind of idea that through Jesus, the door for us to come and experience eternal life has been opened. This is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. It's not about religious systems. It's not about jumping through hoop. It's not about all this. It's gonna be about him. This is the one to follow. This is the one to listen to. This is the one that's gonna bring life. This is the true baptism, not by water, but by the Holy Spirit of God, just as John was declaring. Look what it says in Romans chapter six. In Romans six, he says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. It is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that aligns us and identifies us with Christ's death and his resurrection like it talks about in Romans chapter six. That we're baptized into his death, identified as death and baptized into his resurrection and into his resurrection. We are now identified with his life. As I mentioned earlier, the word baptism, right, means to dip or to submerge, but there's another way it's used. It's also used in the term to die. Not D-I-E die, but D-Y-E die. Like to dye a garment. To dip or submerge a garment into dye. I purposely wore a nice white shirt today. It's nice, isn't it? I figured this was the closest to just like cotton, right? It's probably still dyed with a bunch of chemicals, but whatever, but let's just say it's not. This is like the normal, from cotton, comes out this color naturally. Now, to get it this color, they have to dye it, right? It doesn't grow like this. They dye it. Now, when you dip this into dye, every fabric of this shirt changes, and it changes forever. I tried over the last two days to, uh, to rub the dye out of this. How long would you have to rub this shirt to finally get the blue dye out of it? Like never, it never happened, right? Because once it got dyed, once it gets, got baptized into that dye, it is changed forever. Never to go back to its old color. 
It's now changed. So here's what I want us to see. This is what I think is super awesome, is that it is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that forever changes us. We are now permanently identified with Jesus. Permanently. Forever. Now don't get too freaked out with this identity thing. Because every one of you look at your life based on what you identify with. Right? That's common. I like country music and I like Starbucks and I like in and out right? Or I hate country music and I like this kind of music. I like this kind of clothes. I hate the beach. I like the beach. I hate the snow. I, where every one of us are identified by something that we relate to. I feel like I'm identified by having the most like amazing wife. And today, right now, I feel identified with her and it makes an impact on my life and she's not even here. So we're all living that way. So don't, don't get, let this identity thing get you because we're all like that. And what God wants us to do through his word, through the work of Christ is say, you're now identified with my son and I've now baptized you with the Holy Spirit that you are changed forever in my eyes, identified with his death and resurrection and new life. You're mine. Never to go back to not being mine. That's the new identity. That's the new hope. That's what being baptized with the Spirit means. And that's a beautiful thing. I love doing weddings. And when you do a wedding, right? You're like, I now pronounce your husband and wife, and you are no longer two but one. Well, well, there's still two, right? So what are we talking about here? I haven't had no one go like, no, they're not. They're still two. Because we understand. We're talking about this transcendent reality that they're now unified through God and the power of his spirit and the power of marriage to become one, never again to be separated as long as they both shall live. And so we're declaring something that God sees. And by being baptized in the spirit, we're declaring something that God sees. You're identified with him forever. And maybe you ask yourself, and I think rightly so, well, how do we enter that baptism of the Holy Spirit? What do I need to do? Hey, I want this new life. I want this new identity. I want the cool blue shirt. What do I do? Well, they asked him that in John chapter six, and I love the interaction. Do not work for food, Jesus says, it spoils, but for the food that endures for eternal life. Yeah, that's what we want. Which the Son of God will give you on God the Father uh, on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And that's back, pointing back to his baptism, right? He put his seal of approval on him. And then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? I mean, our natural tendency as humans, if there's something looks good that we want, what do I need to do to get it? What work do I need to do? What hoop do I need to jump through? I know how this religious thing works. Do I need to kill a goat? Do I need to kill a, a lamb? Do I need to jump through baptism? Do I need to, what do I need to do? Light candles, walk on down on my knees, okay, hit myself in the back. What do I need to do to get this? Tell me what I need to do. And I love Jesus' response. Jesus answered, the work of God is this to believe in the one he sent, period. To believe. So here's how we receive the baptism. We receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit through belief and trust in Jesus. And that is all. 
being baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit comes through faith and faith alone. It is a free gift. It is a gift of forgiveness. It is a gift of grace. It is the gift of hope. It is the gift of life. It is through God's work, not our work. All we do is believe and receive. And he changes everything about us in his eyes forever. Starting now, forevermore. I love what Galatians says in Galatians 3, verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Isn't that cool? It's like you put on the new. You have now clothed yourself. Sons of God, through faith, just by trusting in Christ, you were baptized then into Christ by the Holy Spirit, and you're now clothed with him. No hoops to jump through, no religious ceremonies to practice, just simple belief and trust in Christ that baptizes you in him through the Holy Spirit of God. I love Colossians. Colossians 2 covers this, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. And he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood against us. He canceled the laws, the regulations, the codes. And he took it away and nailed it to the cross. I want to encourage you today, if you have never believed in Jesus, if you've never trusted in Christ, maybe today you're going, man, this makes sense. I need this forgiveness. I, I believe what Jesus did. Then, man, all I can tell you is just say thank you. Just say, man, I believe in the name of Jesus and the work of Jesus and thank you, God, for what you have done. And if you believe in Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection, the Bible says you are baptized with the Spirit and the old is gone and the new has come. Your identity is now with Christ in God's eyes. You are his child right here, right now, eternal life from this point on forever and that is the promise that is the beauty of it there's no religious requirements but to believe in the trust maybe you did that today maybe you did that 20 years ago and I want to call you to something else it's today's baptism Sunday and here's the cool part John's baptism was a baptism in something that was to come the baptism we do now is a declaration of what has already been fulfilled. That's a huge difference. John baptized people to cleanse your sins. We baptize because our sins are cleansed. We are declaring what God has already fulfilled, done, complete in Christ in us. And baptism has become such a funky thing. Over the history, people have actually killed themselves over to you, baptize babies, not dunk, sprinkle, it's crazy. And we still go like, well, I'm not sure if I'm ready yet. I'm not sure if I am not. Well, it's because somehow we've gotten this focus on that baptism is about something that we do instead of something we're declaring that God did. 
And so we think we're doing something. We're not, we're declaring something. So if you've given your life to Christ, you've never been baptized, let's celebrate with you. Come on out, get a t-shirt, get a towel. And let's today celebrate that the life of Christ has been fulfilled in me. I have been changed, died through the power of the Holy Spirit, D-Y-E-D, if that's how you spell it, right? And my life is identified with him and I'm just gonna get dunked in the water to show everyone that this is what's happened to me. And maybe it happened again, like I said, 20 minutes, years ago, maybe it happened 20 minutes ago. Either way, let's celebrate together. And let's not let it be funky. Let's be in awe. Don't let anything stop you. Jesus began his public ministry through baptism. What a powerful place to start. And what an amazing reality of what is to come as we continue our series next week, looking at the life of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for the work of Jesus. This baptism story where, Lord Jesus, it seems like you just were fulfilling the law, coming as the high priest, cleansing yourself, but then also helping us to see and identify that it's gonna be through your baptism of death and your resurrection that we will ultimately have life. I pray if anyone in this room has trusted in you at any time in their life that they would right now just be in awe that their identity with you is as holy, dearly loved, pleased with children of God. That's how you see us through Christ. That's how you've changed us from the inside out. That's how you identify us. May we just be in awe of that today. Maybe there's some here that for the first time they're just realizing this reality and they're just being in awe. And may I just pray that through the power of your spirit you would just open their eyes to the beauty and the wonder of who you are and what you've done. And if we are people here and we have trusted you, we've never been baptized because, I don't know, maybe we just we kind of wig out and we're thinking, well, yeah, we don't know if I'm perfect yet, whatever, that that all would just go away and we just see the beauty of the fulfillment of the work of Christ that came through us, through our trust in him and just go out there and say, we are ready because it's what, about what you did, God, not about what we do. May this picture of Christ's baptism really change our perspective forever. May we live into this kingdom now and forevermore in all that we are yours, dearly loved by you. In Jesus' name, amen.